Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Big Gay Talk podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm the creator and host of Big Gay Talk. My hope is that by making this podcast and sharing it with the world, I can help open people's eyes to the many identities in the LGBTQ plus community and to shut down misconceptions and stereotypes about these identities. So without further ado, here is episode three of Big Gay Talk podcast. Jory Taylor. I am 20. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and am heirs. I am a voice actor pseudo-professionally and a culinary student, and I'm a queer two-spirit person. Very cool. Okay, awesome. So you, correct me if I'm wrong, identify as two-spirit and bi and aerospec? Yeah. um, Two-spirit Aerospec-ish and bi and queer. Uh, I I put a lot more stock into like my gender labels than I have my sexuality and romantic orientation labels because those are just confusing to me. And it's like I'm outside of the binary, so I'm not straight, and that's the important bit. <laughs> Always the important bit. Okay, so for this episode, you wanted to talk about being Two-Spirit and specifically being Tulalip Two-Spirit. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, Tulalip. Tulalip. Okay, cool. I should start this off with the fact that I'm biracial. Um, So I'm half Tulalip and half white. And I was kind of simultaneously connected and disconnected from like my, my heritage and my tribe growing up because my parent that was Tulalip wasn't around a lot. He was in the Navy and uh, like worked on boats and stuff a lot. And and we lived like an hour and a half-ish away from the res and stuff when I was growing up. My two brothers both lived on the res uh, for a couple years, but we needed to move up to a smaller town for one of my brothers uh, when I was two, uh, just so it would be easier for him to navigate around and stuff because he's disabled. So when I started looking at myself and looking at my gender was around the same time I was really trying to claim my Tulalip identity and my native identity uh, because it was something that I had been so disconnected from in the past. It was something that I was, but only distantly. I was and am Tulalip, but it doesn't feel like I am and it didn't and it still doesn't sometimes feel like I have the right to claim that part of myself. So when I first started exploring my gender and stuff, I knew I was non-binary of some flavor. (laughs) But I I kept that really separate. I knew Two-Spirit was a thing at the time, kind of. It was on the periphery of my vision. But I did not explore that label um, or that identity for myself or at all um, for like a, a year or so. Um, I just experimented with um, a lot of micro labels, mostly um, for 
first year, year and a half of me looking at myself and looking at my gender um, because I didn't feel like I had the right to look at my indigenous identity and its relation to my gender. And I've known I'm non-binary for three-ish years, I think. Um, it might be four. I think it's I think it's actually closer to four because I think I started experimenting with like my name and my pronouns and stuff when I was 16 and I had that kind of solidified-ish by the time I was 18 and I am almost 21. God, time is weird. <laughs> um, I don't I don't understand how time works. Um but uh eventually I started looking into being two spirit. And it was around the same time that I started really trying to claim the Tilela part of myself because I've always been a tribal member. I've always been enrolled, et cetera, et cetera. But I had this disconnect from that side of my family, which I still do admittedly have a, a huge disconnect between myself and that side of my family. But I'm also really disconnected from any non-immediate family on my mother's side, um, my my white mother's side. I'm I'm just kind of disconnected from extended family in general. But it's it's really jarring being disconnected from the Tulalip side of my family because it it feels weird to go on the res and it feels weird to like go into the tribal services building and get I I recently got my name legally changed. I had to go to um the main services building and I had to go in and be like, here's my name change paperwork. Can we sort this out and it's i don't know it's just weird um and that's like obviously this is something i'm still really struggling with and being kind of confined to being like an hour north of the res and not having easy transportation there is definitely a part of that and i'm gonna try not <laughs> i know this is supposed to be focused on like me being two spirit but like it's so intrinsically it, it's obviously very intertwined with me being totally up so this is gonna be a lot of me talking about my kind of cultural journey to experiencing being Tulalip as well as experiencing being Two-Spirit. <laughs> um, yeah, I started looking into the Two-Spirit identity more when I was like 17-ish. And I guess I should say what Two-Spirit is uh, because there's a lot of definitions. Two-Spirit is more or less an umbrella term that was decided on by the queer Native community. I think at like a conference in the 90s or something, or the 80s. Um, it's a rough translation of a specific tribe's word for people who uh, were both male and female. Um, and it was a specific tribal role. Um, it was a specific gender. It was, it was a role of really high prominence and high spiritual importance. And a lot of tribes have identities like that. So spirit is kind of the umbrella term for all of those identities. Some tribes still have the words for those identities and some tribes don't and just kind of either have to assume, okay, we probably had something like that. It seems really common or we're acknowledging the existence of queer native people today because colonialism and the destruction of native culture and language and all that jazz um, so two-spirit as a term can apply to any queer native person. And I'm going to be using the term queer really liberally um, for non-straight identity, just because it's something that I'm more comfortable with and it's less wordy than LGBT plus identity. 
So in some tribes, two-spirit is an identity for people who are both male and female. Um, for some tribes, two-spirit is an identity outside of the gender binary entirely. And for some tribes, it's just a word to describe like other LGBT folks, someone who is gay or a lesbian or bi could be two-spirit for those tribes. And as far as Tulalip goes, we're undergoing a lot of, for the last 20 odd years, since it is no longer illegal, we've been trying to do a lot of cultural revival, like a lot of tribes have been doing. If anyone listening to this lives in like the Pacific Northwest area, I really recommend going to the um, the Tulalip Cultural Center. It's really nice. Um, and it's really amazing just to like exist in that space. Big part of this is language revival. And I've been looking into Tulalip language revival for a while. Um, our language is called Lashutzid. And Tulalip actually isn't, it didn't used to be one tribe. It was 30 really tiny tribes um, that were just all really close together. And we kind of had to conglomerate with the colonialism. But they all shared this common language. And we probably have some connection to some other like Coast Salish languages, um, like Chinook jargon, which is the trade language. Um, but I haven't been able to find anything on that. Like Tulalip is, is really, really tiny. Like I said, it was, it was 30, 40 tribes, like really minuscule tribes, um, that got conglomerated into one slightly larger tribe. And right now there are, I think four or 5,000 Tulalip people. And obviously the, the genocide and the, all that, uh, contributed to those numbers, but we were really tiny in the first place. So looking into like Tulalip stuff specifically is kind of hard because we're minuscule. Uh, there's this really interesting aspect of the language actually where, as far as I can tell, I have been doing some studying on the shoot seed. And if anyone listening to this is Tulalip, uh, which I, I'm going to be honest, I doubt a little bit, but if you're out there, <laughs> hit me up. Um, but from what I can tell, from what I've seen of the language and from what I've looked into it, um, the way you talk about other people does not seem to change based on gender. But the way you talk about yourself and like introduce yourself and the words you use changes depending on your gender, which is really interesting. That is really interesting. Um, Tulalip is tiny and it's really hard to find stuff about queer identity vis-a-vis Tulalip. Um, I've done a lot of digging into, um, we have a, a newspaper called the Sietzub. And I've done a lot of digging into the archives of the Sietzub about like LGBT plus queer and two-spirit Tulalip experiences. And there's not a lot to be found there. I think there's a, a queer youth center on Tulalip. I could be wrong about that, but at the very least there have been queer youth events and they did have um, oh, I think it was a Lummy Two-Spirit person lead a LGBT plus event on Tulalip. I, they might have been Lummy, they might have been something else. I could be very, very wrong. Um, I know it was another Two-Spirit person. Vis-a-vis -vis being Tulalip and Two-Spirit, there's something very modern about it, especially for me personally, because there, there's so much that's lost about our history and about our language and about our past and about our culture. Um, and, and we're trying to revive it and get it back in bits and pieces, but it, it won't ever be 
the same thing that it used to be um, for a lot of reasons. And a lot of those reasons are it was illegal to speak our language. It was illegal to practice our religion. It was the there's the entire history of boarding schools, which did not fully shut down until I think it was 97 um, in the U.S. and Canada. And 1997 is the year I was born. Me too. Wow. Um, so it was that recent. My dad was the last... My dad is the youngest of five. And he was the last member of his family who did not have to go to a boarding school. Um, and he is 54, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure he's 54. I don't know my family's ages. I barely know mine. Um, yeah, t- being... Two Spirit is is very much like a more modern experience um, for me as a Tulalip person because there's so much that we don't know and that we're trying to find out. And for me personally, coming across uh, not coming across, I I was aware of Two Spirit being a thing. I had at least heard the word uh, when I was like 14, but I didn't really know what it was. I knew it was a native thing, kind of, um, but I didn't look further into it and it was only when i was looking into it was (laughs) okay now we're getting into tumblr bullshit um do you remember or does anyone remember uh there was the discourse uh like five years back about whether non-binary people were real and legitimate yes and it was it was the big hot lgbt discourse on tumblr (laughs) yes but i got really invested in that as a young non-binary person um, who was desperate to feel uh, like validated and okay with myself, um, I got really, really super invested in that discourse. And because of that, I looked into a lot of precedent for uh, non-binary identities. And it was then that I started really finding the word two-spirit. And I started really looking into two-spirit and indigenous identity. Um, and this, I'm going to talk more about using quote-unquote historical precedent of indigenous non-binary identities for discourse points later. Um, but that's how I started looking into it. And once I found the word two-spirit, it just kind of, something in me clicked. Because I'd been trying to wrestle with my biracial identity literally my entire life. And because I'm conditionally white passing too, because Tulalip people aren't what people think of when they think of stereotypically natives, that, that that mental image usually comes from like Plains folks. Not necessarily uh, we live in a forest by the ocean and we don't get a lot of sun. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been wrestling with that part of myself for my whole life and trying to navigate being white and native and white and Tulalip. And this was kind of at its peak when I was like 16, 17 and really exploring myself. And I was exploring that part of myself and I I started looking more into Two-Spirit and something clicked for me. And I went, oh, I can be that. I'm native, and it it was something that gave me a real kind of concrete tie to my indigenous identity that I I hadn't quite experienced before. And 
I didn't outwardly identify as Two-Spirit for another year or so. I I think I've only been publicly identifying as Two-Spirit since I was for about a year and a half. Um, and otherwise, I would use the word non-binary. I stopped using micro-labels probably when I was about 17 or so, just because they weren't helpful for me and my gender was too confusing for them to be helpful, um, which is why I kind of nowadays prefer these more broad terms. Um, because it gives me something concrete and connective while not having to worry about how confusing these concepts are for me. Um, which is part of the reason I really like Two-Spirit. It, it is literally the broadest categorization that you can get other than the word queer. Because it encompasses literally any LGBT plus native person who wants to identify with Two-Spirit can. And it's mostly a term for gender, but it's also a term for sexuality. So it, it gives me a lot of freedom and it gives me that heavy tie back to my indigenous identity. It's really complicated. And and any talk about like gender and sexuality is obviously going to be really complicated, especially gender, because that shit doesn't make any sense. But it's complicated for me as a native person because I am navigating being biracial and being native and being queer and being non-binary and being two-spirit. And all of those things can mesh, but also can't. Um, Or some of those things can mesh and some of those can't, I guess is what I mean more. And like during that year or so where I didn't publicly identify as Two-Spirit, I think I barely told anyone that I was starting to identify as Two-Spirit because I was so terrified that, and this is something that I still kind of harbor, um, that I was not Native enough to be allowed to be two-spirit. And obviously, like, blood quantum and native identity and, like, the the appropriation of native identity is, I mean, that's the most, that's really complicated and big, and it's way, way bigger than I can even really comprehend. I'm, I'm not a scholar about this kind of thing. Um, I'm just trying to live. <laughs> But there's always been this feeling of me not being Native enough to be able to do things like go to the Salmon Festival, which is a festival that Tulalip has. Um, it's kind of like a harvest festival thing, um, like the, the seasonal changing festival sort of thing that a lot of cultures have. Um, but it's specifically uh, with the Salmon Run um, because they are um, like a big part of our culture. and like food source during the salmon season. But there was a long time that I struggled with whether I was native enough to be allowed to identify as two-spirit. And it was something that I genuinely was not sure about. Again, I don't want to get into blood quantum stuff too heavily um, because it's it's really complicated and I don't want to start things. <laughs> um, but I am very literally half native, uh, which most people would agree is native enough kind of sometimes it <laughs> because i don't look native enough to some people and it's a pain it's a pain in the ass but once i started like really reclaiming my identity as a native person it became and i started getting really loud about it and i started being really proud of my culture and my heritage and that's when it became easier for me to identify as Two-Spirit. Because I wasn't Two-Spirit, I was very loudly Two-Spirit 
and to Lailup. I'm I am a two spirit indigenous person, and it's it's difficult to navigate the world um, as a two spirit indigenous person um, because there's there's this thing that happens whenever like I I do not look cis. I don't look like a cis man. I don't look like a cis woman, um, which is what I'm really happy with. But it causes problems in my life. Um, And I live in a pretty, it's a very white area, but it's a very liberal area. Um, And it's a very like LGBT positive area, Um, but it's still very, very white. So there's this thing that happens whenever I need to come out to people where I have to kind of decide what's going to cause me the least amount of harm in the moment and in the long run with this person. So I have essentially three options. Um, I was assigned female at birth, so I can say I'm a trans man, which sometimes I do feel a connection to manhood and like being a man in the same way sometimes I feel a connection to womanhood and being a woman. So I, I can say, oh, I'm a trans man. And being misgendered that way is more comfortable than being misgendered in a way that's associated with my assigned gender at birth, but it's still being misgendered. So I can say that I'm non-binary and not bring up my Tulalipness and not bring up my nativeness into the conversation. And, and, and just like saying I'm a trans man already poses its own risks. Um, especially because even if I was a trans man, I would not be, I would be a gender non-conforming trans man and everybody, <laughs> nobody likes, um, gender non-conformity on trans people because it, I don't know, it means we're not really the gender that we are or something, but I, I can't say I'm a cis woman, um, because it's too hard and it's too painful for me at this point in my life to try and put myself back in the closet like that. So I can say I'm a trans man and take whatever comes with that. I can say I'm non-binary and not bring my nativeness into the conversation. That poses the risk of being told that my non-binaryness is not real, it's not legitimate, it's fake, I'm a snowflake, trans-trender, etc., etc., etc. And the of course, the big, oh, but they pronouns are so hard discussion, which leads me to being able to come out as two-spirit, which can negate the non-binary isn't real thing because two-spirit is very much, it, it's older than this country in a very literal sense. But that opens me up to anti-native racism and binarism in a way that isn't always safe. And it's definitely never comfortable to open myself up to any of these things or any of these types of transphobia. And the the combination of transphobia and racism in binarism is, it especially hits really hard sometimes. So there are reasons that I don't always publicly say that I'm two-spirit when I'm introducing myself to someone. I'm very open about it online. But online is different because I can just block someone. Um, but I haven't been able to find a lot about two-spirit identity vis-a-vis being Tulalip besides the fact that it's acknowledged. And it's acknowledged 
as a trans identity. And that's kind of all I've got. Okay. Um, so that might have sort of already answered this, but um, like where there's definitely some pushback in like general society against non-binary people, would you say there's the same pushback toward like two-spirit people in the Tulalip community or would you think like it's more accepted or would you not know? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I, I'm trying to be more active in my tribe and stuff. Um, and like I said, there's definitely LGBT resources on Tulalip, um, or like LGBT events and stuff like that on or by Tulalip. And Two-Spirit is something that's acknowledged, um, like by the tribe in not necessarily in official capacity, but uh, via the the Sietsup. Um, it's been acknowledged and talked about in our tribal newspaper. Okay. Um, but as far as like general attitudes, I wouldn't really know um, because I'm not close to a lot of other, I'm close to other native people, but I'm not close to other a lot of other Tulalip people specifically. Okay, would you um, say it's uh, generally more or less accepted in the Native community than it is, like, in other communities? Or, again, would you not really be sure? Um, I think it would depend on the area. And from what I can tell, it usually ranges more neutral to acceptance about half the time. And, like, a lot of the Native people that I know are Native queer people, um, and especially Native Two-Spirit people. So that's the frame of reference that I'm coming from, is an already accepting environment of other Native queer folk. Um, so I couldn't, I'm not sure that I can really talk about, um, like, from cishet Native folk. Because um, that's not an experience that I've really had. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Um, yeah, I kind of touched on this briefly, but like the, the using indigenous identity for discourse points. Um, and I understand because I did do that. Um, and I, I understand the frustration of being non-binary and people saying that your identity isn't real or it's made up or you're really a trans man or a trans woman um, and trying to find people like you in history. Um, and But there's this way that people talk about indigenous non-binary identities that I just kind of want to talk about um, and it's when you're using them for discourse points, people often talk about these identities like they are ancient, they are history, and there aren't people like this today because it's primitive and that culture has died off and it's just historical precedent. There's nothing modern about it. And, and like I said earlier, for me, being Two-Spirit is a very modern Native experience, um, like for me personally. and. I obviously can't speak for other um, Native folks, but it's 
the two-spirit label as an umbrella term for queer um, Native people is very recent. It's very much a a modern thing, kind of a modern experience. And when people talk about being two-spirit, it's kind of similar to how they talk about Native people in general, which is in the past tense. Right. Um, I... Oh, what was it? I I saw um, like a a mini documentary about um, like native presence in like um, American culture, and one of the people that they I think I think it was someone that they interviewed said that native people are seen as a people of the past, not a people with a past, um, or something along those lines, and that really resonated with me really hard um and because of the broad implications of colonialism across the world a lot of indigenous peoples are seen and and their cultures and their practices are seen as of the past as though we aren't still here um and you definitely see this a lot in using indigenous identities uh, to prove that non-binary has always been a thing. It is, it's, it's always, it's generally very much a look at this historical precedent and, and there's this undertone of there isn't anyone like this today, but modern non-binary people, which are generally framed as white. And it's, it bothers me a lot more than it used to, um, to, to see that because Instead of, I like I said, I understand wanting historical precedent, but instead of talking in the past tense about these indigenous identities, and I'm not just talking about like Native American identities, um, I'm talking indigenous worldwide. You can always bring up people today. There are there are two spirit people who are activists and authors and scholars who are around right now. There are indigenous people who are their indigenous genders right now. And and you can talk about something with historical precedent while also bringing up the present and what's happening now. You can say the identity of Two-Spirit has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Here is the proof that it has been around for so long. And here are people that are still identifying as Two-Spirit today. Here's the way Two-Spirit is used in the modern era. Here is the way... I'm trying to think of other indigenous identities. Um, I think it's it's Judaism has six genders mentioned in the Torah or the Tumult. And like, there are those people around today. You can, you can use these ideas of historical precedents while also acknowledging modern experiences. And I feel like you kind of have to, or else you're talking about people as though they're extinct. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's, my, that's my soapbox on that. <laughs> okay. Um, also, um, are there any resources that you can suggest for two-spirit people? Um... There's um, Native PFLAG, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and I know I don't 
have any of them, but I, I know if you look into it, there's a lot of books written by Two-Spirit people about um, their Two-Spirit identity and experience. But yeah, the my my main advice would be to look up, because this is what I had to do, like look up Two-Spirit authors, look up look up Two-Spirit scholars, look up Two-Spirit activists, um, and you can find a lot that way. Um, and also, um, if anyone wants to look up specific resources, um, uh, you can look us up online and there uh, you can find information about like our cultural center. Um, you can see stuff about the Tulalip language revival program that's going on right now. It's, I think it's being taught in grades one through three um, on at schools on the res now, which is really, really amazing. And you can probably find links to the Sietzub archives um, that I kind of use to find stuff. Like, look into stuff about the native tribes in your area, and if you don't think there are any, I promise there are. Even if you weren't sure about if there's a res near you, there were probably native peoples that lived where you live now. And see where that res is, see if they have a cultural center, see if they have a cultural revival program happening. Look into native authors and scholars is the main thing that I want to say, and especially two-spirit authors and scholars, um, because... They're important right now. They're they've always we have always been important. But look into stuff about your local native communities, especially uh, local two spirit folk. Okay, awesome. Um, and is there anything else you want to say? Um, is it okay if I plug my Twitter? Is that okay? Of that course. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Delta Jory D E L T A. G-E-O-R-I-E. Um, I'm a voice actor who works with the Procyon Podcast Network and the Goose Thunder Podcast Network, um, as well as a bunch of like smaller independent productions. I have a podcast that I don't I don't know when this is coming out. Um, so it might have been announced by now. Um, but look on my Twitter for the podcast that I'm show running. Is that is that the word that people use for podcasts? I don't know. Um, I'm making a podcast. Uh, check my Twitter for details. Okay. Awesome. Um, depending depending on when this comes out, um, we might still be casting. Okay. And that's about it, I think. Thank you for having me on here. And I'm sorry if I went on a billion tangents and was no. a little incomprehensible. No. See, that's awesome. That makes it so much easier when I'm just like, I have a million things to choose from versus like this person said one thing and I have to fill like so many minutes with it. So that was awesome and super helpful. Great. So thank cool. you for Thanks. on my show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Big Gay Talk. This episode featured Jory Taylor and me, AJ Beers. The audio editing was done by Katie Bregman. The theme song was created by Jeans. If you'd like to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash biggaytalk. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash B-I-G-G-A-Y-T-A-L-K. To find more of Jeans' music or to hire her to create something for you, go to sounddesignerjeans.tumblr.com. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in to next month's episode. Keep it queer. <laughs>